amazing like the details we miss when we go through text uh, especially when you know the story before as you're reading your mind tells you that you know what is there so you don't pay detailed attention to many things in the text but this could this this text alone you could do a 20 part series on the amount of truths that are in it that's how deep it is and so the goal of this message on when a nation forgets god is to learn how to please god by obeying his instructions and understanding our constant and complete dependence on him it will help you see the difference between man-made attempts at success and the true success of obeying God. This message also will powerfully demonstrate what happens when proud, self-reliant people try to defy God and usurp his rightful rule in creation. Very critical. So there's something we need to notice about our world and about our country today. You, you hear, like, like we keep saying this for the last six week, we, weeks, we have been saying this, that things are not going to get better. It's a false hope to believe that as the end times come, things are going to get better. There will be war and rumors of war and there will be natural disasters and brother hating brother and all of these things. Things are actually going to get worse. I will say to you this morning, you haven't seen anything yet. This is just the beginning of a long ending. And so what we must do is to find a place that we can be good in bad times. And that place is in the Lord. Amen? Listen, it's not that I expect things to change around. And there is peace. And In fact, the scripture says, when you think it's peace and safety, sudden destruction comes. So what I need is a safe place that when things come, I'm safe. And that place is in the Lord. See, there has been so much change. And it has come so rapidly in recent years that we often don't even stop and think about some of the side effects of the changes. We, we, are, we are getting more into the kind of society where you have to understand um, computers and internet and all of these things. Things are changing so, so much. Some of the things that uh, you used to enjoy, you can't enjoy anymore. Some of the places you used to go, it's not safe to go there anymore. Homes are being built differently. People are living in more gated communities. Places that were once what you call residential areas have become garrisons. People will tell you like there's mass migration from rural communities. And you're wondering where are the people? Have you ever gone back to a place that you're from? And you ask where are the people that were here in my childhood? So as our nation moves forward with technology and progress. 
Perhaps there's something happening that is dragging us farther and farther away from our God. You see, we may feel like we are already familiar with the story of the Tower of Babel, but there is some lurking, some more lurking stuff below the surface. On the surface, the events in this passage may not strike us all as being terrible. And we may be confused as to why God did what he did. Wasn't it a noble thing the people were doing? Why would God want to scatter the people? Why would God want to, 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 to cause disunity? The people were of one mind. Wouldn't that be better? Why would God want to do that? The problem was not a building program. But the defiance of God and self-worship that got out of hand. The people were doing life their way. They said, come let us. They never consulted God. Let's build us, our city. Listen, he wants us to be scattered. We want to gather. We want to stay together. In fact, listen, we don't have to ask him to come down anymore. Let's build something where when we want to go to him, we have a tower that takes us up there. So when we're ready to come back down, we can come back down. People wanted to do God their way and life their way. I put it to you that much has not changed today. Think about it. We have become a Burger King society. Have it your way. You see, God had given very specific instruction to the human race and what they were meant to do. Uh, let me just read it to you in Genesis 9 verse 1. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That was God's instruction. In chapter 9, chapter 11, the people said, Well, we're going to fill this pot. But instead of following God's order, they tried to do just the opposite. There may not be a better example of attempts at human achievement than trying to build a legacy and a name for ourselves. The people said, listen, we want a name for ourselves. In other words, 10 years from now, people won't be remembering God. They'll be remembering me. And trying to put ourselves on the same level as God. The people were trying to get to where God was. To make a name for themselves. To be where God is. You know what that was doing? Saying that we are like God. The unfortunate truth is that entire countries as well as individuals continue to be, do the same. But no matter how much mankind may achieve, it's never going to impress God or compare to his work. The heavens declare his glory. The firmaments show forth his handiworks. No matter what we do, the truth is that God still has to come down and stoop from his position just to notice our so-called great accomplishments. People don't understand. They believe that somehow this would be a great accomplishment. 
Listen, for God to see what we're doing, God has to look down low. No matter how high we climb. Let me say that again. No matter how high we climb in life, for God to see it, he has to look down low. That's how high he is. The truth is that if our, if our accomplishments don't point to God, then we are really just building up an idol to ourselves. So let me ask you this question. All your accomplishments, do they point to God? Or do you point them to God? And say, Lord, look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. Christ has given us great freedom. But freedom is terribly manhandled and misunderstood by our society. You see, freedom doesn't mean we can run around and do whatever we want and get away with it. True freedom is freedom from having to satisfy the world. That's true freedom. True freedom is I don't have to satisfy the world. I don't have to please the world. I don't have to be friends of the world. I, I, I'm free to do whatever I want to do. But I choose not to satisfy the world. I choose to satisfy God. So let me give you some key points for you to understand. And we're going to break this down. You see, many people think they don't need a savior. When they have success. These people thought, we don't need a God. Because we can do it. We can make our own bricks. We can build our own tower. We can build our own lives. We can build our own career. We can build our own success. We can get there. We can do it. We can accomplish it. People believe that. They believe that I don't need a savior because I have my own success. In fact, one of the, one of the greatest predicaments in life is many times the more successful people get is the further away they go from God. That is why you must be careful what you ask for. Because some of the things we invite in our lives push God outside of our lives. Be careful of what you ask for. And fight to get. There's a reason why God keeps some things away from us. Because he knows we can't handle them and handle him at the same time. And that is why you should never seek anything because you think you're going to look better in the world. Don't get a degree because the world is going to think highly of you. Get a degree because God is going to think highly of you. Don't buy a house because, well... You know, if I don't own my own home, I'm not successful. That's not the reason to get it. The reason to get it is that, listen, this brings glory to my God. Because Jesus didn't have a house and he was very successful. You see, the need to appeal to God is diminished when we think we can do life by ourselves. And this is what is happening in the text. You listen to the people. Come, let us, come, let us make, come, let us build. Listen, listen, listen to it. Come, let's make. Come, let's build. Let's make. All of it is saying, let us do this, let us do this. For their own glory. Glory. 
Meaning they wanted to be the source of their own success. And part of our life today, there's something about life today in the world that says you need to be the source of your own success. Wrong. God needs to be the source of our success. Because that's real success. The Jamaican idea of the self-made man is contrary to scripture. I'm independent, you know. I do my own stuff. Can go where I want, do what I want, buy what I want. I've worked hard for this. I've accomplished this. You see, in our desire to be free of God, people want to erase the creator slash creature distinction. So want to be free, be free from God. So here's it. We don't understand that he is the creator and we are just creatures. So we want to go into creating our own. We don't make the distinction that if success is going to be in my life, then God must be the creator of that success because I'm just a creature. And we have to live with that distinction in our minds. Or else we will find that the success we have will come to the end of our life and realize that, listen, we got all the earthly success. But we miss the heavenly God. Then we stop and we pause like Solomon says, listen, all of this is just a waste of time. It's beating and fighting the air. It's vanity. When you understand that God is transcendent. God exists above and beyond his creation and is not to be confused with it. These people are trying to, I want you to understand, God is transcendent. God is above and beyond his creation. Creation can never do anything to get to God level. I want you to remember that. I want you to remember that. These people believe that this city would give them a name and give them a place beside God. Aware they believe that God existed. So independence is valued, but it's the wrong definition of independence that we have. So I'm not telling you that we are not to be independent. I've often said to you, we need to be dependently independent. In other words, we depend on God, but we are independent. Of our own selves and the world. In other words, I, I, I don't need me to be who God wants me to be. I need God to be who God wants me to be. But I'm independent, but totally dependent on God. I don't, in other words, I'm not dependent on man. So I'm independent, but I'm dependent on God. Because he is my source. He is my source. It's like teenagers, right? Teenagers always want independence from their parents. While still living with their parents and being totally dependent on them. Right? They want to have their own room in your house. But they're not paying any bills. They're not paying rent. You, you don't own no room. That's how it works. 
They're not buying grocery and they tell you what to cook. I'm 16 now, I'm 17 now. Well, if you're 16 and 17, you're talking like that, pay some bills. Until then, you are dependent. In other words, you depend on me. Simple A, B, C, one, two, three. So they don't want their parents telling them what to do or where to go, but they don't want to pay the rent. Buy them, f- but they want their parents to pay the rent, buy them food, and put gas in the car for them to drive. You see, we think it is silly of teens to want independence while still being dependent. Don't it? We think like that. But that is often true of us as children of God. Where we want God to take care of us, but we want to do what we want to do. God, you can't tell me where to go and what to do. But you see, sick. you are the Lord that healeth me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, when you need some money to go where you want to go, Jehovah Jireh, I call upon you. We are just like teenagers. So teenagers don't feel, <laughs> don't feel bad. We want independence from him and don't want him telling us what to do. But we really and truly are constantly dependent upon him. That's the church. There's no real life outside of Christ. You can't have real success without a true savior. Say that again. I want you to remember that. You will never achieve true success without the true savior. Well, I think so many people who are millionaires and billionaires, some commit suicide and all these things. Because really, without a savior, there is no peace. If money could guarantee you peace, many people would have peace in this world. So pursuing unity, pursuing peace, and pursuing prosperity apart from God is a foolish endeavor as with the people in the Tower of Babel. It's foolish. Why would you do something without God when you can do it with God? That's the question we must ask ourselves. Why the same thing that I'm attempting to do without God, I can do it with God. So which is better? To do it with an eternal God who is going to help me than do it by myself and it becomes vain and invaluable. So a capital city doesn't replace God and a government can't overpower God. God will still be God regardless of who, which country dominates, which, which government dominates. 
right? So a, a religious facade doesn't make it acceptable. It doesn't make it, well, you know, you're doing the right thing, you're doing the right thing. Well, well, at least I go to church. Some people believe that because I go to church, that is enough. Because I have a Bible in my house, that is enough. You see, the people believe that. Hey, well, we are getting close to God. We are getting close to God. So this makes my success meaningful. They were building something and somehow they felt like because this tower is going to get us close to God, the success that we have must be good. Looking religious doesn't make the success real. Not because you do religious thing, meaning you're getting success God's way. Because real success comes when you trust in the real Savior. Our good works, you know, it's not by our good works, church, and charitable deeds. In fact, scripture tells us when he speaks about love, it says, If you give even your body to be burnt and you have not love, it profits you nothing. So, good deeds of men are nothing compared to God. Because here's what God sent his son to die for us the ultimate sacrifice. No man, nowhere. No God, nowhere, now, before and forevermore can do that. So the ultimate good deed has been done. So everything else is secondary. Nothing can equal that. Let me put it to you again. What God did with his son Jesus, it cannot be equaled. So what we call good deed doesn't measure up to that. So God can't see it as good. Because the greatest good deed that was done was done by God. So what we think is good, God says, I want that. What, what, what is that? And you think, okay, I just gave a million dollars. That is good. God says, listen, but a man just gave one billion. Who is better? You know, said, listen, I feed the people in St. Anne every single month. They say, have you ever heard about Mother Teresa? And who she fed? So every time you think about your good deed, there's somebody else doing a better good deed than you and doing the same deed that you did better. That is why nothing can be measured by that. But many of us believe that the more good deed I do means that my success is acceptable before God. Call it religious facade. Humans can't reach the same level as God. We can't. In fact, getting physically closer to God does not guarantee the same in heart. You see, they felt like, though their hearts were far from God because they were defying and disobedient to God, they felt like they were, because they were going to get physically closer to God, they must be close. And that is why I tell you, the scripture says this, these people worship me with their mouths, but their hearts are afar. Look what they were trying to do. The scripture teaches that heaven, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Men were trying to bring earth to heaven. God's plan was always to bring heaven to earth. You see how far they had gone and they still thought they were doing something good? I imagine, imagine the scripture speaks about heaven come down to earth. And these people were trying to bring earth to heaven. So no matter what we do, 
God still has to come down. He has to come down. The plane known as Shinar was an eastward journey for these people. So up until this point in scripture to go eastward meant you were going away from the Lord. So anytime the scripture said people, during this time people went eastward, it means that they were going away from the Lord. I want you to follow me. They were going further away from the Lord, but building something to get close to the same God that they were going away from. I, want, I, want, I, want, I, I don't want you to miss this, right? They were trying to do something physical to get to God. But here's the thing. By their traveling in their hearts, they were walking further away from God. It simply means that your heart can be so far, but you're doing a lot of physical or natural or man-made thing to try to get close to a God that you have walked eastward away from. Say so we go back to Cain who went east of the Garden of Eden. Go back and look at it. The scripture said he went east of the Garden of Eden. This eastern, eastern plain of Shinar became a focal point of contention and, and re- rebellion against God. The site of the Tower of Babel indeed did become the kingdom of Babylon. Right? So from early in the scripture, this place really, um, and God knew this, that these people were going into Babylon. But still believed that they could build something to get to God. That's what happens when we believe our self-work, our self-accomplishment, we can forget God and still somehow have success in God. You see, Babylon is represented all throughout scripture as an evil and defiant system against God. So what this is saying is that these people were evil and they were defiant, yet they were building a tower to get to God. And if you go in Revelation 17 and and chapter 17 to chapter 18, it speaks of Babylon as fighting against God's instruction. Genesis 11 is revealed in Revelation 17 and 18. The major movement of man away from God was fighting against God's instruction. What did God tell them to tell them to do in chapter 9? Fill the earth. What were, they, what, what were they doing in chapter 11? They weren't scattering. They were gathering together. right? Defiance against God. And that is what Babylon meant. Always fighting against God's instruction. So the Tower of Babel is the beginning in a long and ultimately unsuccessful struggle for evil to defeat the Lord. Scripture says that God came down to the people of Babel. They did not come up to him. So perspective makes a big difference. And how big something looked. They must have looked and said, wow, look how big this is. God looked and said, what is that little thing right there? So impressing our fellow men doesn't equal impressing the Lord. So what we think, wow, 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 wow. God says, what is that? It's so small, I can't see it. You see, they thought they were building something majestic and they must have thought like, oh my God, look at my life. Look at my mansion. Look at my car. Look at my this. Look at my that. Look at my account. And then, 
When God looks at it, God says, where is it? I can't, I can't see it. I mean, just bring it a little closer. Let, let, uh, let me come down to see it. For where I am, I can't see it. So let me come down and take a look. The scripture said, God came down to look. They thought they were getting close. It was so far from where God was. God said, I have to come down to see it. You, you get, watch it. The people were building something and they said that they were getting to heaven. In heaven, God couldn't see. God said, I have to come down and look what is going on. So in all their might, they were, so f- <laughs> they were still so far from where they were and thought they were close. And God says, listen, I mean, I'm so far away from where you are that I have to come down to see what you're doing. So sometimes our bad plans lead God to intervene directly for our good. And sometimes you have some bad plans, you know. And God says, you know what, let me come down and intervene. So God sees where our actions will lead us, even when we don't see the end. And that's the thing, that's the goodness of God. He sees like, listen, this is, this is not going to end up right for you. So let me come down and help. I've heard the cries of my people in Egypt. And I have come down to help them. God says, listen, you see where you're going? God, God is so loving. That in our folly and in our madness, God says, I'm, I'm going to have to help them out. Let me come down and bail them out. Let me come down and rescue. Let me come down and save. Let me come down and deliver. Our, our freedom then is in, is in God. Not from God. And there's a difference. Our freedom is not from God. Our freedom is in God. You see, because freedom is a God-made idea, not a man-made one. Man didn't start freedom. It was God. Do you know where it started? Come on, do you know your Bibles? Everything started where? In Genesis. Freedom started in Genesis. Freedom is a God-made idea, not a man-made idea. Adam and Eve had freedom in the garden. They could roam freely. Only one tree was off limits. Genesis 2, 15-17. Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to tend it or to tend it. The Lord God commanded the man saying, From any tree of the garden you may freely eat. You have freedom to eat of everything in the garden. But for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In other words, you don't need to know nothing but good and evil. Just go and eat. But you see where good and evil is and get knowledge. Don't even try to figure that out. Because if you figure that out, you're going to have problems. Just obey me. Don't try to figure out what is good and evil. Just follow me. That's what he's saying. Listen. Because if you try to figure out what is good, you're going to think something is good that is evil. You, you're, not, you're not bright enough, Adam. Come on. Just, just, just say, I am not bright enough to know good and evil. I know you don't mean you really mean that even though you just said it. Because, you know, well, I'm a big man, I, I'm a big woman, I can do that. Listen, we don't know. 
Have you ever acted in a way that you think was so right? Only to learn later that it is wrong? In fact, there are some things right now that we're probably thinking and believing that are so right. That could be so wrong. Because what we think is good, in God's eyes, it could be... I'm telling you, because God is so spotless and holy. So God says, don't get yourself caught up in that. Here's what you do, Adam. Brethren, avoid that tree. You can freely eat. He wasn't restricting him. It says, for on that day you eat from it, you will certainly die. Like, like this is it. Like, like God is, is like saying, listen, it, this is not going to work out. If you take this path, it's not going to work out. It, it's not going to work out. God is very clear. Listen, God is not the author of confusion. God is very clear. God says, don't do it. And if you do it, this will happen. Simple. But you know what we like to do? What we like to do? We like to be like Adam and Eve. Let's try it out. Because how are we going to know if it's really so it go? Don't, that's what teenagers says. Mommy, daddy, I mean, but you made your mistakes. So let me make mine. The same thing. We, we will look. If Adam and Eve were here right now standing before us, we say, well, well, you, 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 you do it and you enjoy. Let me enjoy life. Let me try and see. Man is fascinated. We're trying out what they do don't work. Like, like you want to get mankind all gung-ho and full of zeal, just tell them that that don't work. Like, like, it's like we, I, I, think, I, think, I think we need to deal with mankind with reverse psychology. Like, like if you want Jamaicans to not do something, tell them, say it's great. Yeah, yeah, because if you tell them that, listen, that's bad, that's a what? <laughs> yeah, but, wow. I mean, let's plan a trip and try it, because, I mean, hey, like, 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 there's a defiance. In people generally. From the beginning. And the same thing happened at this place. God says scatter the people and gather. Like come on how hard could that be? Fill the earth. The first mention of freedom in history is in the Bible. Freedom gives us choices. But choices still have consequences. The freedom that God offers don't take away your choices. It gives you choices and say to you and to me, but there are consequences. So God gives us great freedom and tells us the consequences of our choices. So ignorance is non-existence and is no excuse. You can't say, I did not know. See, all Satan comes to do is to deceive and distort freedom. He came and said, Hold on, man. Did God really say that? that that's not going to happen. How could you believe a good God like that? You can't, listen. It's, 
Let me ask you, how many, how many persons in here would say they have listened to the, the, devil, the enemy's voice? Like, nobody's going to put up. Oh, okay. Hallelujah. Amen. Like, you can put your hand up. I mean, oh, come on now. Come on now. We have all listened to the enemy's voice. Right? Yeah. I'm telling you. The devil will tell you, listen. Listen. No, 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 no. What you're talking about? No. Listen. They're not paying you right anyways. Say, if you take the $1,000, what do you think will happen? Just tell it, just listen, just tell it, just write $6,000 gas on the receipt. I'll do a $5,000 you put in. Because them are people here, I make a car run down anyways. So them really owe you the money. It's not really, you're not really stealing. They really should be giving you more money. So sabotage them. Get back what is rightfully yours, because it's really yours. You know what we say? We don't say, I rebuke you, get DBM and say it. You know what? You know what's true? <laughs> but then we go to our Bibles and we look at Eve and we look at Adam and we say, How could they ever allow? Like, you can imagine you're in this. How could they allow that to happen to them? But we allow it to happen to us every day because the enemy is deceiving and distorting. He's saying that, God, you're, you're, listen, you're, you're not free. You need to free up yourself. Enjoy life. Go out there. Yes. So the question is, will you live by reason or revelation? You have to live by revelation. You can't live by reason. Because our ability to reason against the master deceiver, the devil, is going to get us in problems. So I have to live by the revelation of the Lord. And if God says no, I'm going to believe that until I understand it. I don't know why, but if God says it, it must be for a reason. Will you live by what God says? Or what the information tells you? Will you live by what everybody else thinks? Or by what God declares? See and then we wonder why there are so many problems in our lives, our families and our churches. And, and the problem is really freedom. For some reason people, believers believe that they are not free. Many Christians live today and they will tell you that I don't feel free. They feel like church and everything is so confining. And they tell you like, there are so many rules and rules here. You can't do this to you here. You can't wear this pants. You can't wear this shirt. And Lord have mercy. That's why we can't bother with the church. And they complain and they complain and they complain and they complain. And they don't understand that that is the devil distorting freedom. Because God could have removed the tree. But he said, I'm going to leave it there. Because you have a choice. I am, God says, I will tell you what is best for you. This is what is best for you. You, you know that God could like remove all porn from all the world? But he says to men, let's speak to the men. Alright, I'm going to leave it there. Because you have a choice. You see, you have the porn tree, don't eat. Because you can just move tree with porn. 
sexual immorality, with stealing, you can just change it. And just put in. It says don't touch that. Everything else you can have, but that don't touch. The very thing we want is the very thing that is killing us. It's kind of amazing. We want freedom, and it is freedom that is destroying us. Freedom never means freedom from God and his instructions. To be free is not to be freed from God and his instructions. No matter how free you think you are, you have to obey the instructions of the Lord. That is true freedom. God says it, I believe it, and that settles it. And here's why. Because we are either ruled by God or by his evil imitator. You can only have one of two masters. Either God is your master or unfortunately the devil is. See, but there is no equality to the most high God. Either God rules you or a false idol rules you. In, in Genesis 1 verse 26, the scripture says, Come, let us make man. And then in verse 11 of our text, it says, it says, come let us go down. You see, the us in these passages seem to throw a lot of people off. But this is a statement that the entire trinity is eternally existent. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were all present and active in creation. Right? And so, distorted freedom. When freedom is distorted, it will lead to idolatry and enslavement to sin. Whenever you misunderstand what freedom is, you'll be in idolatry and enslavement to sin. Freedom does not mean not obeying God's instruction. To be free as a believer means I obey the instructions of the Lord. Any other sort of freedom is idolatry and it will lead to enslavement to sin. But let me just say this as well because this is where now, if, if you in idolatry and enslavement to sin, this is where problems are. Because confusion in our lives is often related to our attempts at independence from God. And this is what was happening with the people. Because they were trying to do a project without God, confusion came. Whenever you begin to operate life, we're coming to an end. Whenever you begin to operate life outside of God's construct, here is what happened with you. You, be, you get confused. The, if you begin to seek independence from God, you're going to walk and live in confusion. So many people today are confused. I'm not saying that some believers don't have... Well, if you're a believer, you should not. But so many people are confused. Politicians are confused. They don't know whether to keep the restrictions or lift the restrictions. They don't know what to do. I mean, all of the police forces, they don't know what to do. People are confused. Nations. I mean, one nation spent almost 20 years in the next nation for a war and things got worse. The people don't know what to do. Because when you begin to seek to be independent... And, and seek independence from God, it causes confusion in life. 
Because now you're living outside of the instructions of God. So mankind gives false and temporary relief, but God gives true relief. Right? God uses confusion many times to keep us from listening to the wrong voices. So here's what he did. What was happening with the people? The people were talking the same language. And so for God to change that, in other words, God loves you so much that sometimes you can't understand what people say. Because if you understand everybody will talk to you, you'll be confused. So sometimes God has to cause confusion so you don't listen to the wrong voices. So he has to come down and address the situation. God's will is going to be accomplished regardless of our response to him. For the scripture said, in the whole thing, be fruitful and fill the earth in Genesis. God gave specific instructions to the sons of Noah to spread out and fill the earth. Throughout the table of nations in Genesis 10 and history, we have a good understanding of how Shem and Japheth and Ham spread out. And fortunately, Many of these people decided in Genesis 11 to do just the opposite. So Genesis 11 makes it clear that these people wanted to do the exact opposite of what God instructed them to do. They didn't want to fill the earth, but to settle down and make a capital city and display their own power and their defiance. This is why God scattered them and confused their language and the people ended up, watch this, fulfilling what God told them to do despite their disobedience. So what happened when, they, when, when God came down and changed up the language? Everybody had to scatter. So God's original intent was accomplished because God had to confuse them. So though in disobedience, they still worked in fulfilling God's original mandate. God is powerful church. I don't know if you noticed this, but the further man has gone in technology, the more independent he has become. When that starts to happen, confusion starts to creep in. But as we close this morning, you see, God doesn't allow competition from his creation. He doesn't. Don't know if you ever ever heard the story with Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali was on an airplane one time and he wouldn't fasten his seatbelt. So the flight attendant came to came by multiple times and asked the former champ to please buckle his seatbelt. After many unsuccessful attempts, she asked Ali one final time, but he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. But the flight attendant replied, Superman don't need no aeroplane. Buckle up your seatbelt. Amen? Amen? Listen, creation can't compete with God. We aren't ever as great as we think we are. And we have no business challenging our daring God. Sometimes life tells us that we are big shots and we are elites. Church, we are not. Mankind has faith in their abilities and they make gods of themselves. Don't trust the arm of flesh. 
Don't put no confidence in your own flesh. What is big to us is a small thing to God. And so when you begin to trust in your own abilities and in your own strengths like these people, you begin to establish idols and false gods in your life. And God eventually exposes all false gods just as, just as that. False. He exposes them. So God will allow success for a season, but it should not tempt us to elevate ourselves. God wants you to be successful. But he doesn't want you to think that you're larger than life. You're bigger than God. You have made it. You have not made it. I've heard that. I've heard that so many times. Well, I've made it now. I can sit back and I can relax. You haven't made it. Whatever greatness you have ascended to, it's, it's, it's not close to where God is. Like, how do you measure that you have made it? In comparison to what? Those kind of speeches are saying that, listen, when I compare my life to you, when I compare my life to you, I have made it. What, 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 who told you that the measuring stick for success was that person? Who told you that when people were measuring success, when God established what success is, because God established it. Who told you that when God established success, what that meant was be a billionaire? So once you get there, you say, well, I've accomplished. Have you ever heard people say, well, um, I'm married and I've gotten the kids through college and we have our own home. And Really, did God tell you that that's his measurement of success? Like, like what are you measuring it to? You know what real success is to me? To have Jesus Christ as my Lord. And save you. At the end of the day, if you have nothing else and you have that, that's real success. And that is the real measuring stick. Countries and kingdom get the idea that they can build on their success forever. Anything mankind makes is simply a temporary kingdom. Everything is temporary. The wealth is temporary. The house is temporary. I've told you this many times. Solomon talks about it. What sense are you to work so hard? You build this or you build that. And some people who lazy come and take it and mash it up. Haven't we seen that? You see billionaires leave their homes. I see parents have some stuff in their house. And I, 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 like, I love doing these things, right? I was not a good child. I used to love what, what Jamaican called dead yard. Because daddy had for me is to go in the people them cabinet and take out all the things them and say, give me some juice in this. I used to do that and my father used to always say, don't do it. Right, because people used to buy these things and put them up that they're not touching them and them dead leave them. You can ask my wife. It's when I go in the store, any clothes you wear for me, you know, when me gone, me tell my sons them, me wear it already. Because if there's a changing room in the store, I am putting it on. I'm not into this putting of stuff. Listen, I'm going to jump on my bed because when we're gone, the kids are going to throw the mattress. 
So if, listen, before I go to Goliath, before I go to the dump, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to sleep it out. I'm going to sit on the edge. I'm going to jump on it. Listen, I got, when I sleep in water, run out of the mouth and it, hallelujah, thank you. I don't care because, listen, I'm not into this. Oh, store it up for what? It, they, they're going to be destroyed. I mean, people come there, take your foot off my hassock. Take a foot off or put foot on it. Well, what are you saving it for? No, no. Don't use that cup. It is a special. For what? You're going to die. And when you walk in your house at your night night, bam! But that's what we're doing. We're building these things and like we want to sit down and say, oh, look at that. Oh, oh, oh. Man, you know how long I've had this? Like for what? Vanity of vanity. As if this is a measure of your success. You know many people have money and their kids couldn't wear a proper shoe and them dead and can't get it out of the bank now? Ain't gonna happen to me. If my son needs a shoes, I'm buying it. I'm, I'm telling you. Because I ain't leaving my money in no bank for no bank. Tell people, listen, I tell my wife this, listen. God forbid if I have cancer, don't do no chemotherapy. Keep the money and give me kids. Because I'd rather give me kids than give the doctor. <laughs> hey, that's me. I'm not <laughs> I know I know some of you want to live long and sing. That's me. I want to get to heaven. So don't don't follow me, don't follow me, don't follow me. I'm just telling you me. I'm I'm not into this whole putting up stuff and building a kingdom on earth that won't be destroyed. The truth is, we all eventually run out of gas and abilities and we'll need to fall on God. You know the, the, the whole Titanic story. One of the engineers who built the Titanic was famously quoted as saying that not even God could sink this great ocean liner. The iceberg that sank the Titanic had been there for a very long time. But the lookout couldn't see it because the man with the key to the crow's nest locker had walked away with the key. And the lookout's binoculars were locked away. Lesson from the Titanic is that God can use a key to sink a ship. Because nobody is ever above God or unreachable by the most high God. Uh, a few years ago, there was an airplane that took off. They don't know how it happened. No pilot was in it. It just took off. It just took off. It happened in the States and it, was, it went out, got off the runway, in the sky. Nobody was in it. It went some distance. But you know, after a while, what happened? It came down. The truth is, just like that airplane that took off, we will eventually run out of gas and fall. So when you make that fall, make sure you're falling on God. In fact, when you're taking off, make sure that he's in your airplane with you. So he can keep you soaring and soaring and soaring. See, everybody wants to make a name for himself because it signifies his importance. 
we like to associate with people who have a name because we can't let their name rub off on us. There will come a time in life when you run out of gas and your high-flying self will cry out, Oh God, I need you. And so what's the whole thing this morning? Let me close with this. There is freedom in Christ, but that freedom requires that we obey his instruction. I told you the goal of the sermon in the beginning is to learn how to please God by obeying his instructions and understanding our constant and complete dependence on him so that we can see the difference between man-made attempts at success and true success the true success of obeying God I hope that what has been demonstrated to you will help you to understand and see what happens when proud self-reliant people try to defy God and usurp his rightful rule in creation. Listen, I want you to just bow your heads with me this morning. Maybe, maybe right now you're pursuing success. You want a better life. Like the Tower of Babel. Come, let us, you know. I want to do this. I want to build you know, I want to build this, I want to I want to have this and you're, you're so you know, determined to make a name for yourself. In fact, you have been measuring yourself to other people and you think because they have some things and you don't have it you're not successful. You may be thinking because oh, they are married, they are better off than you. Maybe you think like you know, they have a better job than you. Maybe you see their kids and their kids are doing better than your kids. Maybe they have purchased a home, a house, and you think like, I mean, imagine them, they have that and, you know, look how hard I've worked. And instead of stopping and understanding where God has you, you have been comparing yourself to others. And so because you have done that, confusion has come into your life. And this morning I want to pray that you would not be confused anymore. That the peace of God would reign in your heart. That you'll measure success not on what other people have accomplished or what you have accomplished. But the success you have in life will be measured by am I obeying his instruction and understanding that constantly I need to depend on him and completely I need to depend on him. So if you're confused this morning, I want to pray for you. Just bow your heads with me and let me pray. You're watching online and this may apply to you. You have been comparing yourself. Or maybe you're one of those persons who you have been trying stuff even though you know the instructions of God clearly. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for every person listening. Those in this building. Those watching online. And I pray in the name of Jesus, you, the Almighty God, 
the God of all peace, the author of all peace, would come now and bring a peace into their lives. Maybe they have been trying to do works to get up to you. But this morning we stop and we say, Lord, forgive us. Come down and meet us. We'll be never able to get to you. You must come down. Heaven must come to earth. So heaven comes to, come to earth. For those, Lord God Almighty, who are defined and being disobedient to your instructions. I pray in the name of Jesus that we will always remember that choices have consequences. And you know what's best. And if you say no, there is a reason. And when you say yes, there is a reason. I pray that the hearts of your people will be turned back to you. That we will make a U-turn. Maybe we are headed eastward to build our own kingdom. To build our own tower. But this morning in the name of Jesus we make a U-turn and we come back to you. We choose Lord God to fulfill and obey your word. If you say scatter and fill the earth we will. If you say go we will. Whatever you require of us, we will do. May we live in the freedom that you have granted us. Knowing it's not limited, it is full freedom with full choices and full consequences. We bless you, Lord. We thank you. God, we honor you. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. And amen. Come on, just stand to your feet this morning. And give the Lord a big hand clap if you really love him this morning. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus.